Welcome back to the Joe Show here on the Dion Family Network, episode 95. This is Jack, just running solo for this one. Uh, little update on the podcast, uh, usually we're at two a week. Uh, I just went back to work. Uh, my dad, Rob, co-host, he's still at, he's working. We're, uh, we got really mixed up on the schedules. Uh, it kind of overlapped Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, we just uh couldn't line up recording this wednesday so it'll come out wednesday late wednesday early thursday i guess i should say just in case um it is me for now though we're gonna try to figure out get our schedule better for next week not sure if we can do two we're definitely gonna try to do one and unfortunately there is quite a bit to talk about so i'm just gonna roll through some of the stuff that i had prepared for this episode uh, not much on the MLB side. The AL won the All-Star game. I don't think many people care. I thought it was fascinating. The The American League has won eight straight All-Star games. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. MVP. He had a 468-foot home run in Coors Field. Besides the home run derby, that was impressive because, I mean, how much are people really trying in the All-Star game? Who really knows? But it's still it's still impressive. Uh, July 30th, a couple cool dates. First of all, the Mets are bringing back the black jerseys. Very, very classic, sleek look for the Mets. First time since 2012. That's July 30th. The much bigger news for July 30th is the Toronto Blue Jays are returning to Toronto, the Rogers Center. One day, we all hope it just becomes the Rogers Sky Dome again, so we can just call it the Sky Dome. It is a very classic name, but they are returning to Toronto. I found out that Toronto FC is playing and having... 15,000 fans so I guess outside it's a little different obviously vaccine stuff like that but good to have the Blue Jays coming back to Toronto the third move for this team if the Blue Jays make the playoffs this is going to be even more impressive uh Chris Sale begins his rehab assignment obviously heading into the second half of the year the Red Sox with the slide that the Rays had towards the end of the first half they seem to be in control if they're getting Chris Sale back that's even more dangerous for a playoff run for the Red Sox, which I know we don't like to hear if we're in Yankee or Jays land, but it's still a possibility. Uh, Jock Peterson traded to the Braves. Obviously, the Braves lost Ronald Acuna um, at just before the All-Star break. Jock Peterson is just a stopgap. He's a replacement. Hopefully, the Braves, I guess, maybe we're hoping they can make a run. Is it still the Mets division? Uh, those same Mets interested in a different Chicago Cub, and it's Chris Bryant, who apparently is on the move no matter what. And it's shocking to me. This Cubs team seemed like they were going to be poised for maybe not even necessarily a deep playoff run, but a playoff run nonetheless. And now they're just going to sell off this team. Uh, the Chicago White Sox, they greeted the Houston Astros with an inflatable trash can. It was incredible. There's not much more beyond that, but it's just we got to make fun of them. We have especially getting fans back. I I don't know if Houston's coming back to Toronto. If they do, I'm sure it will be sold out and there will be trash cans everywhere. Uh Yankees update. The Yankees test positive for COVID again. They had the first game back from the second half delayed against the Red Sox. Luke Voigt's on the injured list. Two really just dumb fans, and I don't think anyone should be 
ashamed or quiet to call out your own fan base. First of all, the person that spat on Jason Veritek's daughter needs to grow up because that is incredibly inappropriate. It doesn't matter who Jason Veritek is. I mean, a rival to the Yankees, yes, but you don't spit at his daughter. That's just not how fandom and rivalry works. That's more of an assault. Also, the fan that threw a ball at Alex Verdugo. I mean, I get it because Verdugo's having an amazing season and he feels like he's going to be a Yankee killer now. But again, that's not the way to react to a player being good. We should just be upset. But that that's just unacceptable from Yankee fans all around. I, I hope Red Sox fans know that this rivalry goes deep. And it's fun that we have these two classic franchises, but that's crossing the line. And I know a lot of people say stuff about Boston fans. It's not all of them. It's people that get caught on camera. And for that Yankee fan banned from all stadiums for the rest of his life, it almost it's kind of all they could do, but seems like not enough nonetheless. Uh, the Yankees did win two out of three against Boston. This is a good way to start the second half. Interested to see when we get back together what my dad is thinking. Obviously, with the trade deadline coming up in almost a week, a few trade targets I wanted to mention. Joey Gallo, but that seems like the most far-fetched Yankees option. Same with Byron Bucks, and I said it earlier this year, but apparently they're talking about a new contract. And if it doesn't work out, they'll look for trade. If it's a panic move, this is this is the perfect guy for the Yankees. That's a leadoff guy. Byron Buxton was an all-star, and then he got hurt. Uh, another Minnesota twin, Max Kepler. Again, you're adding in this one, same with Joey Gallo, a left-handed bat. Makes a big difference. And Kepler kind of is on a Minnesota team with Byron Buxton that's struggling. And they're really not making the playoffs. So why not sell off those pieces? I know probably get rid like you Minnesota can get into a smart rebuild now if they try to hold on to this team and try to make the playoffs or not even make the playoffs but just try to keep the team together for next year it's just it's not going to work out the last guy and him and the Miami Marlins were talking and it clearly isn't working they'll look for a trade to Starling Marte I think out of all of these options Marte makes the most sense because there's a clear disconnect between him and his team Byron Buxton and Joey Gallo would be amazing uh, same with Kepler but Starling Marte is the one that just makes sense that the Yankees really want to make a move at this point and I don't want to say turn or, like swing their season because it's already hanging in the balance and it's not looking on the good side they might be third in the division now after I mean the Jays got rained out but uh it's really hard to tell at this point what this Yankees team really is. It, it feels like funny enough that the two, the wild card could come down to the two Yankee. Like, I think the Rays are pretty solid unless they go off in an even bigger tailspin. Them and Boston oh, are a lot close, half a game separated between each other. The Rays just have one more loss. The Jays and Yankees are tied. Uh, the Yankees have played two more games than the Jays, but uh, they've both sit four games back of the wild card of Oakland. 
and they also still need to get ahead of Seattle. So uphill climb both sides. Uh, I don't know, a few minutes on baseball, I guess it's fair. Heading into the second half, it's it's still a few weeks of NHL and the five-ringed event that is clearly going to be a disaster in uh, in Tokyo. And NHL, NBA stuff still going on. The NHL, I rolled through some of the trades and some of the stuff that happened before, but since... I started recording this late. I I already know what the expansion draft is, what the team is. So some of the trades we'll talk about are just the moves they made. And then I'll talk about the team. So Detroit made the move. They traded for Nick Letty. They traded Richard Ponick and uh, a second round pick this year. I think that's a lot for a guy that the Islanders were just going to lose for nothing. It's an interesting trade because Lou Lamorello and Steve Eisman are both kind of cutthroat guys and try to get the best out of deals. The fact that the the Red Wings retained on Richard Ponick's contract, I don't really love. I like getting a guy like Nick Letty. There's people that are going to say he's washed up, but for a Red Wings team, they're young and rebuilding anyways. It's not like we'd need a superstar defenseman. So to me, it's just a solid move, and they protected him. Ponick was unprotected, but there were the Islanders had too many guys that were at risk of going to Seattle. Funny enough, the Leafs trade, so they traded for Jared McCann from Pittsburgh for Philip Hollander, a prospect, and Philip Hollander is the prospect in the seventh-round pick. It's it's a better move than apparently Seattle charging a first and a third for whatever move, whatever guy you didn't want to be taken by Seattle. I know my dad loved this. He actually broke this for me. I was at work when he texted me that, the Flyers got their right-handed ran right-handed shot defenseman Ryan Ellis. They sent Philip Myers and Nolan Patrick to Nashville for Ellis, and then Nashville flipped Patrick for Cody Glass. Which one of those win-win-win trades? I would call it. I mean, for Philly, you're getting that right-hand shot defenseman that can play 30 minutes a night, that can play with Ivan Provorov if you need it. Nashville gets a good young right-hand shot defenseman. Cody Glass and Nolan Patrick are kind of in the same boat. I think Patrick's a little bit older. So I think for Vegas, you're adding center depth, and clearly they didn't think Cody Glass was good enough. So that's kind of the... That's your debate right there. If Cody Glass is the right move. We know now Nashville didn't lose any other center. So realistically, Cody Glass is the third third line center. Uh, so Seattle, then we kind of were figuring out moves. It, it honestly, it was hilarious. So I'll, I'll talk about, let's keep talking about the other stuff. Barclay Goodrow got traded to the Rangers. Uh, when I had it, it was a six year, $3.6 million deal with the Rangers and he got exposed. Uh, some other guys that were out there, Vladimir Tarasenko, they didn't end up taking Mark Giordano, who they did end up taking. Uh, Jason Dickinson from Dallas to Vancouver, San Jose traded for Aiden Hill from Arizona. So Arizona's debate was which goalie do we give up? I really thought it would be Darcy Kemper, but give up Aiden Hill. seems like they stick with Kemper. I don't know if this is rebuild time and they even get rid of Kemper, but it seemed like they had picked their goalie at least for now. 
it, it was funny that everyone saw on Twitter, on the internet, I guess, that they were filming these kind of gimmicky draft picks. And one of them, for the Leafs pick nonetheless, was them tossing a fish and Kevin Weeks then announcing the pick. And the one that circulated everywhere was them taking Alexander Kerfoot, which is kind of what a lot of people expected. It made sense. And everyone said, okay, there we go. We found it. It got leaked, which was really the tip of the iceberg because that wasn't the only one that got leaked. So Chris Drieger signing with Seattle kind of came out really a couple days ago. Um, It wasn't Alexander Kerfoot. It was Jared McCann who as I had mentioned earlier, they traded they traded four and then didn't protect, I guess, assuming Seattle would take either a Travis Dormit or a Kerfoot. But they trade a prospect in a seventh for a guy they lose for nothing. It's it's I mean, you are losing him for nothing. You actually gave up more to lose him for nothing, but it's a it's a move, I guess, you gotta make because you're losing someone. And it's better a guy that doesn't even have to show up for your team. And the guy that was most fascinating in Montreal became this like really interesting team because they're looking at a guy like Anthony Bovillier with the New York Islanders who seemed like they needed to make a move, but they really they lost a guy who made five or five point five million dollars. Which also kind of made it look like Philip Deneau there was another report that he's going to be out, that he's not coming back to Montreal and he's going to test free agency. You know, obviously Seattle could make a move like that, a team like Minnesota, a team that needs some, I mean, center depth. But he, Philip Deneau is a fascinating case because with Montreal, he's their first-line center, but Nick Suzuki is probably the more the better all-around center at this point. He, Philip Deneau is a defensive center. So if you're paying, I don't know, five, six million dollars for a defenseman like that, that's that's a lot. Uh, Carey Price was exposed. This was the big brain move of this whole expansion draft. And uh, Price agreed, and a lot of guys did do this. They agreed to waive their no-movement clause, either just being kind of okay if they got picked or... In Montreal's case with Carey Price, they expose Carey Price, and then the next day, uh, there's a knee injury, there's a hip injury, he has to see a specialist, and there's so many questions in his $10.5 million contract. It's a, it's a lot. It's a big risk, and Seattle apparently took a deep dive, and they looked at it and decided that it wasn't the move for them, which you kind of respect, and also for Montreal to pull off that move, clearly these GMs have to talk and I'm sure Ron Francis probably said whether directly or not, if Jake Allen's exposed, we're going to take him because he's a really good backup goalie. He's worked, I think, I think he makes $3 million or something like that. And exposing Carey Price just wasn't worth it for, for Seattle. I keep wanting to say Vegas because they were the last expansion team. And now we have this team. We just have this kind of lump of clay, but we don't know what they're going to be. Um, an amazing story before the, we'll talk about, well, mention a couple other things, then we're going to go to basketball and that's really all I have for around the 16 minute mark. Now it's, 
it's not as much to talk about and not as much to bounce off. It's kind of just more me riffing off uh, Luke Prokop, who is a prospect with the Nashville Predators. He comes out as gay, and I just think it's an incredible story, and it's also one of those you can't wait until it doesn't matter if someone comes out because that is just the norm, and obviously this is breaking the glass ceiling, and this is incredible for the game, especially the immense amount of support that he's received from all around the league and specifically his own team. So I I think that's wonderful, and... It is, it is a win for the sport because hockey's for everyone, because sports are for everyone. It's not limited to anything, not limited to, not limited to anyone. So I think this is a big step forward, and I hope that him, I hope Luke doing this encourages others to be their true selves because that is what hockey, that is what sports, that's what we want to see. We want to see your true selves, and um i just i i really it it did make me so happy that they're because we're seeing it now carl nassib in the nfl and i think it's just hopefully now this is opening the floodgates for more and more people to be comfortable to share with who they are because if obviously if someone's not okay with sharing that kind of information that is that is up to them that is their prerogative and we support them no matter what. And the LGBTQ plus community, uh, I just want to know that we here are in support and we're very happy for a story like this. And we are excited for more to come. Uh, the NHL is also adding a three-week break for the Olympics next year. There wasn't any really real official confirmation that the players are actually going yet, but putting this in the schedule is a good step and it seems like that's what they're working towards is letting the letting the players go um so yeah they thought the car foot pick was leaked so let's let's go through the team because it's kind of interesting so we already have shout out to cat friendly they just 18 minutes ago modified this and it's hard to know exactly what this team's going to be. They they did bring out a few guys. I I did really enjoy this expansion draft, even though going into it, it was 29 out of 30, and right before I started watching, it was 30 out of 30. Shout out to all the reporters, all the insiders, especially Frank Saravalli with Daily Faceoff. He had, when I counted, he had 11. He could have had more in between the time that I checked that. Um... So this is the team. They do have lines right now. I guess let's start with uh, who they have just currently in the minors. So Luke Henman was the first guy that they'd signed. Uh, John Quenville, who's an unrestricted free agent. This is also apparently... This isn't Seattle being done. And they're going to make more moves. But for now, this is just the team we can look at. Uh, so Quenville, Henman, in the minors are their two forwards. There's also Coland and Alexander True, who don't quite fit into uh, the main lineup, just according to Daily Faceoff. Uh, on defense, there's Jeremy Lozon, who doesn't make this team, which actually kind of, to me, makes them look a lot more impressive. That they pick a guy like Lozon, who was a top four 
defenseman could be a top, even if he's just making the lineup with Boston. If he's on the outside looking in and has to earn his spot, that makes the Seattle team already look more impressive. And they're going into a division that does not look very impressive. Uh, also on the back end, Curtis McDermott, William Borgen, uh, Gavin Beiruther. Beirut- uh, so that's coming from the King- McDermott from the Kings, Borgen from Buffalo, Beiruther with uh, Columbus, Kale Fleury from the Montreal Canadiens. Again, no carry price. And Dennis Chalowski, which, you know, this is, uh, this is a big win for the Red Wings organization. Having their pick leaked last, you know, that's a huge victory in my book. You know, I think back to the 2008 Stanley Cup final. Um, I, I guess that's probably first. And, and then I'll say having our pick leaked 30th out of 30, which again, Vegas gets to be exempt from this because no one thought they would be good. It's a big win for the Red Wings organization. It's just, it's all looking up from here. <laughs> That'd be funny if people did actually care about that. Like it, it was just funny. I honestly was more annoyed. I, I just wanted to know who the Red Wings were losing. And Chalowski, he's a project, nonetheless. Uh, also in that uh, listed here in the minors, Joey Decord. Uh, so the two goalies that seem to be... It, it's interesting. Everyone's kind of does their expansion draft. I did one like a couple weeks ago, but then different guys were protected. So my team didn't look the same. I also didn't save it, which was dumb. Um, definitely looked at nothing like this. But um, the two goalies they picked... Because a lot of people thought, oh, maybe you just take a few more goalies and you stash them or try to trade them. I think Seattle's taking a pretty straight line approach to this, I guess, until free agency. I imagine they're going to make moves, especially up front. The forward group isn't terrible, but it's definitely could it could see some improvements. Uh, so in that, Chris Drieger, who I already said signing the three-year, $3.5 million deal, um, it's just a good move. He was a good goalie for Florida last year. And even for Florida now, they get to have this weird Bobrovsky-Spencer-Knight tandem next year. And if we're being honest, Spencer-Knight should get the majority of the starts. I get, that's just that's my opinion. But Drieger now gets to be the starter. Vitek Vanacek from Washington going to be his backup. He, he looked pretty good, actually, in that Boston series until he got hurt. Like, it wasn't very long, but he still got to be in there now a part of the Seattle team he's going to get a chance to prove himself on the back end Mark Giordano who they pick from Calgary the Flames captain I don't really think I I never really believe you have to name a captain if they are I imagine it's Giordano but it's going to take some time to realize uh who the real leader of this team is uh Adam Larson who was an unrestricted free agent Again, everything got leaked before, but Adam Larson signs a contract. Uh, I think it's three or four years um, at $4 million a year. Screws over Edmonton, which is kind of the win-win for Seattle and the Kraken. Jamie Alexiak, another guy they signed, picked him from uh, Dallas. Unrestricted free agent in 2026. They picked Vince Dunn from the St. Louis Blues. Again, a guy... Give him a change of scenery and it might work. This is where I, I kind of was thinking maybe Seattle would take Shane Gossespierre from the Flyers, but the Kraken said they wanted salary cap and I think Gossespierre makes four, three or four million dollars a year, which is too much for a guy that's barely making the lineup for the Flyers that 
missed the playoffs. Uh, the bottom pair, at least what they have right now, Carson Soucy, Hayden Fleury, which very cool. I know a lot of people made the jokes about, oh, got to take a Fleury in the expansion draft. <laughs> but uh, taking Hayden and Kale Fleury is really cool because it could work out someday that you have a defensive pair that are also brothers. I just I think that would be really cool. Uh, up front, at least what they have as their first line. And now this is just going to torture Leaf fans. I'm sorry, but Jared McCann... It was a good move to trade for him. If you make that move, I guess you you were just bank. They were just banking on Kerfoot being the pick. But Jared McCann now Seattle Kraken on that apparent first line with Yanni Gord, which great move for Seattle to take a guy like that. I mean, if you're if he's your first line center, it may not look as good. But him with Tampa Bay, they that third line that now no matter what. I mean, unless Blake Coleman decides to go to Seattle or the Rangers, they're going to have that line fully broken up, but they were just so good in the playoffs. Uh, the second line hurts me just because Kyle Yarncroft, which first of all, he was, uh, Marshawn Lynch announced that pick and he could just say Cali. I feel bad. They should have just, they should have given him an easier name, but uh, I always, I always Not that I don't like seeing him succeed, but it just makes me sad because he was a Red Wing draft pick. Uh, Colin Blackwell, who was on Team USA at the World Championships and was playing with the Rangers and Eunice Donskoy. Donskoy, to me, was the pick that I just thought, oh, you know what? That's actually a really smart move to have a guy like that. He was a depth piece with the Avalanche, which is hilarious, and now he's the second-line guy. Did I I, I might not have said Jordan Eberle. If I didn't say Jordan Eberle... He was one of the guys, one of the few guys introduced. It was uh, Drieger, Alexiak, Giordano, Fleury, Hayden Fleury, uh, Eberly, and then there's one more guy who actually leads off the third line, Brandon Tanev. So all these guys came out in the Kraken jerseys, which, if I'm going to be honest, they were a little plain, a little, little more. I, I kind of wanted a little more, but teach of their own, who you can't really judge yet. We'll see how they look on the ice. That's that's the better indicator. Uh, Morgan Geeky, who... When I was going down the list of guys I was kind of expecting Seattle to take, Morgan Geeky wasn't really on my radar. For Carolina, I was thinking either Jake Bean, good young defenseman, or Nino Niederreiter, a bit more of a proven scorer. But clearly this team, they were thinking more how we thought Vegas was going to pick. And it could work out for them. You, you never know. We have to be a little more open-minded now. And Mason Appleton, who everyone thought Dylan DeMello was going to be the slam dunk pay, pick for Seattle. But Mason Appleton was really good for Winnipeg this year. Every game that I just noticed him again, it was that line when they could have it together. Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, and Appleton. They just they really worked well together. Uh, fourth line, Carson uh, Torinsky from the Flyers again. Not on my radar. I thought Goss's birthday wanted a project. Voracek, if the Flyers were making a side deal, or James Van Riemsdyk, who was just kind of sitting there. But they want cap space. I think they're... I imagine they'll be pretty aggressive in free agency because I, I don't know if this is the team they're going to want to sit with come day one. I mean, maybe it's just the fourth line I'm thinking. They could just use a little more depth, but... Who knows? Who knows what big names 
or trades or anything like that. They, If we're going to think of a team for Jack Eichel, not that they really have the pieces, but I, I would make that move if I was Buffalo. They Or I guess if I was, if I was Buffalo, I'd want to keep them. But if you're Seattle, it's not a terrible move. Uh, Nathan Bastian and Tyler Pitlick fill out that fourth line. That is the Seattle team. Colin, Alexander True, and Lozon are their scratches, I guess, are right now. Uh, I'm fascinated to see this team play, If even if it's not this. But for now, it's just a fun hypothetical, and it's the 32nd team. It brings balance, moves to the Pacific Division. They move Arizona to the Central, and all just seems balanced. 32 is just such a good round number, and I, I, I'm excited to watch them play. They go October 23rd is their first game, a Saturday night against Vancouver. Their built-in rivalry, but who knows who they will really be. It could be a random team they're rivals with, and even if it's an Eastern Conference team and they only play them twice a year, it'll be interesting to see how teams interact with this new team. Because I know it's only been a few years since Vegas, but it it is a different approach. I think they went with a cheaper, younger team, guys that can prove themselves. I, I know people would say that with Vegas, but Vegas had that home run pick with Flurry. I don't I don't really see that pick with Seattle. I don't see them saying. I mean, they had it right in front of them. If they wanted Carey Price, they could have taken Carey Price, and that's your that's your home run pick. For now, it's like. Who is really their best player it is, to me, an interesting question. Like, Drieger was really good. Could be one of those defensemen up front, like a Donskoy, Eberly, McCann, Gord. Like, it's it's not superstar names, which I, I think it's actually going to be probably fun to, to cheer for this team. Uh, that's... Yeah, that's the expansion draft. That's Seattle. Apparently, there are more side deals coming. Uh, I'm interested to see what other moves they make if there are more big names to be moved. And if there if there is a superstar on Seattle, I'm fascinated to see who it could be or would be. To the NBA, where uh, since we last spoke, there have been three NBA Finals games all won by the same team, and now we get to crown the Milwaukee Bucks as the 2021 NBA champions. I think this was a really good series. I think it's really funny. I'm glad I get to say this now. I don't, I don't think my dad would understand, but for those out there who would understand, uh, in Game 3, Giannis pulled out the Black Air Force 1s, and Milwaukee didn't lose. I, I think that just means for all of next year, Giannis has to wear Black Air Force 1s, and that that's it that's an 82 and 0 season right there obviously joking around but game four milwaukee wins 109 103 it should have been the devin booker game he had 42 points he had 38 points through uh three quarters in the last 25 finals only Allen iverson matched him with 38 and steph curry had 40 points through three quarters that's just that is ridiculous and also Booker with the most points in his first playoffs. So this is uh, Rick Barry, 521, Dr. J, 518. They both played less games than Booker, but Booker, by the time they had this stat up, he was at 532 points. Drops 42. He has five fouls. 
he basically bear hugged. I think it was Drew Holiday. And should have gotten a six foul. Didn't get it, but Karma was on the buck side because Chris Middleton had 40. Giannis, 26 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists. And it was actually a close game. It, it was really fun to not just see a team get blown out. I, I guess that might just be me. But it's tied 2-2. We're going into game 5. And again, this can go either way at this point. Chris Paul has just just didn't look right. This is one of those, like I know the NHL, we talk about injuries. And Victor Hedman played on a partially torn knee or his Achilles or something like that. There's all these injuries. I feel like I'm not just saying this as an excuse for Chris Paul, but I just I feel like he had an injury. I feel like there was something maybe in his hand, and because we were talking about in the conference finals, he had like four turnovers in three games. Like that's just unheard of, and he's matching that in in NBA Finals games. It could be the moment just got to him, and that's completely fine. But everyone was cheering for chris paul to get this title i kind of just found myself leaning towards the bucks i know and that's my dad's team not not who he cheers for in these playoffs that's just kind of been his team that he's rode with and i thought it would be cool for chris paul to win but by the time we got to game five i just kind of thought i know it would be recency bias the suns win the first two and they're back at home it just kind of felt like it was the bucks series at that point that they had just stolen the momentum and game five the 123-119 uh Drew Holiday is the unsung hero of this Milwaukee Bucks season obviously if they lose there's a lot more question marks oh they make this trade and trade so many draft picks and why did they keep Mike Boonholzer and I said that too if even even that they win I could still stick with I don't know if Mike Boonholzer was the best choice to run this team but hey it worked that's why they're an NBA front office and I'm here talking to myself. So, uh, Giannis, 32, 9, and 6. Chris Middleton, 29. Drew Holiday, 27, and 13. They don't even need that many people scoring. And that just, that team just works. They ran. And that final sequence of, or maybe not the final, the, the dagger sequence of Drew Holiday steal, alley oop to Giannis. And, Chris Paul, to be honest, that was just a dirty play. He was trying to shove Giannis. I know he was trying to stop him, and he's not as tall as Giannis, but he's pushing at a dangerous point. We've already seen Giannis hyperextend his knee, which I think makes this performance even more impressive, is that we saw him get injured. We didn't even know if he was going to play game one, and he just kind of pushed through and just, just willed his team to a win. And Chris Paul just was going to shove him at the hips and it was to stop him but he could have gotten seriously injured and that changes the series completely booker again within these two games 82 points 42 and then 40 two less points but it's just it's not enough chris paul still at 21 but it's just not enough deandre 8 and 20 and going back to game six going to milwaukee it just it, it didn't seem like the Suns not that they didn't have a chance but it it just it seemed like it was all Milwaukee at that point and just the stuff you can talk about Giannis so game six which watched with two of my buddies Stefan and Colin we watched like the starting in the second quarter and just Giannis wouldn't let them lose I just I really 
I, I really don't get how how he did it and how he got this team to a championship and just seeing his seeing his emotions after they won was incredible. Fifty points. Fifty points. Fourteen rebounds. Five blocks. And it should have been more blocks because they started calling goaltends a lot more often and Giannis is just a freak. He obviously wins the finals MVP. And now just the company we're putting him in. So his averages for the series, 35 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists. He wins it for Milwaukee. He stays at home. Stays at home in Milwaukee. Doesn't join a super team. He says he could have, but he wanted to win in Milwaukee, and he wants to continue to win in Milwaukee. It's great to see a homegrown talent just kind of stick with his team. And just going back, this was a guy who... Once Kobe Bryant passed away, he deleted all of his social media. And it just, it, you, you obviously don't know. I don't know him personally, but those two moments kind of correlated. You can see it. You can, you can tell at least that it hurt him. And that is, it would be very difficult going back to 2017. Giannis said, I'm still wait. I'm waiting for my challenge from Kobe at Kobe at Kobe Bryant, but he said, what's my challenge? He said, MVP. What did Giannis do? Not just one. He went back to back MVPs. I know people will always try to argue MVPs, but at the end of the day, he's, he won the MVP. He was the MVP twice back to back. So then 2019, he wins, he wins the MVP. Kobe tweets at him, my man, MVP greatness. And clearly at that point, it was just, okay, I, he doesn't even have to ask this time. He's Kobe's responding to his own, own his own tweet. What's next for Giannis? A championship. And that's in 2019. And he's the superstar of this team. And he willed this team every which way to win this championship. He joined. It's him and it's Michael Jordan. A pretty esteemed list, I would say for winning multiple MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year, and a Finals MVP. I know we talk a lot about legacy stuff, and obviously every conversation is going to go to, oh, where is Giannis now in terms of all, all-time all power forwards? That shouldn't be the conversation. We should be talking about this Bucks team that, besides Drew Holiday, which was their third their third guy I don't even want to say star because to me Giannis is a superstar and that that is it for the star list on the Bucks team but the homegrown team and they add this piece in Drew Holiday but Giannis and Chris Middleton have been doing this for eight years even Mike Budenholzer has been there for a few years now they just pushed through they persevered it was incredible to watch I love watching teams celebrate watching Giannis at first, not even celebrate. Like he's just tears in his eyes, and he just, he just wants to soak in this moment. And he's a champion, and it just, he's so happy for the city. And even today, he's on Instagram Live, and he's going to Chick Fil A. And first of all, he half lemonade, half Sprite, great idea. It's it's delicious. And he's like, let me get a fifty piece Nuggets, not not fifty one, not forty nine, fifty. He put up fifty and went to get fifty nuggets. That's it's inspirational and just hilarious. He's just he's a genuine dude. The one I think of 
was in the bubble there was just a bunch of water so what does he do he gets a garbage bag and he's like hey guys free water and you could you could see the the upbringing that he had was earn earn everything and he earned an NBA championship he earned the finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo at 26 years old is sure you could call him one of the greatest power forwards of all time that is not the important conversation right now it's the Milwaukee Bucks are the NBA champions and next year they're going to have a title to defend I'm, I'm I know we always talk about what's Giannis going to be at 28? What's he going to be at 29? What's he going to be like with the confidence of already winning a championship? What are the next few years of the NBA going to be like? If people say he could not be the face of this league, you haven't been paying attention to him. He is the most likable, funny. Like he's, um, I, I guess I don't want to get too explicit on here, but he, um, if anybody knows about the bell, and if if you get this joke right away, it's amazing. But he has this hilarious personality. And he's, like, watching an NBA Finals game, tweeting about, oh, I'm just trying to smoothie for the first time. It's amazing. And this is, I don't know, 2016 or 2017 when he's watching a Cleveland Golden State NBA Finals. He's just, he's such a good personality. And he's so good for the league. And now being a champion, he this might be his league. He might be running it for a while because it's sad to say, but this Chris Paul, LeBron James generation, I'm not saying they're out, not saying they're retiring tomorrow, but they are on the downslope of their career because I know LeBron could show up next year, win a title and go up a level. Like I don't think anyone would be shocked by that. Father time is undefeated. LeBron, I think could be the only person that would question that. Uh, a couple couple news and notes. Uh, apparently, the New Orleans Pelicans interested in Kyle Lowry, pairing him up with Zion Williamson. I think it's important to pair a veteran guard with a guy like Zion. And Lowry doesn't take the ball, so Zion could be the primary ball handler if need be. I just don't know for Lowry if that's a fit. If he really wants to stay in Toronto, I think that would be great. If not, to me, it's Philly. Philly, he's from, played a Villanova, from... PA, Pennsylvania, it, it just, it would make more sense to me. Uh, apparently the play-in tournament is going to stay, which to me, it was really fun, the race at the end of the year, and especially, I just, the East, do we really care about the East? I know the Raptors will get back in this race next year, so having 10 teams make the playoffs is a benefit to the Toronto Raptors. Besides that in the Eastern Conference, are we really, are we sure there's eight good teams that make the playoffs in the West? There's probably 12, probably 11 teams that we think could make the playoffs, which makes this play-in tournament, I know whoever is in it next year, if the Lakers are the one seed and LeBron is talking about how great the play-in tournament is, we're going to pull up last year when he was going to have to play in it and complained about it. But it's on the NBA Players Association. It's If LeBron James wanted to be more involved, I think it was Chris Paul, even he's like the head of the NBA PA. I'm, I'm not really too sure about that, but if LeBron wanted to be more involved and stop this, it's he could have. He has the power. He has the influence to do that. But I, I love that. As a fan, I love that it stays. It, it helps the playoff race. It's, 
it limits tanking to at least a few less teams. Some teams will try to fight to get into a one-game playoff to try to make the playoffs. To me, it's just fun. It's fun and it's pure entertainment. I loved watching the play-in. I love a game seven. That's what you're getting with the play-in tournament. It's a one-game winner-take-all. Finally, Team USA, after those two losses, they did. It does seem they're picking it back up, although Kevin Love's gone. Bradley Beal's not coming. Zach Levine trip is getting delayed and the fun part which also correlates with the nba finals is chris middleton uh drew holiday and devin booker all jumping on a flight together to go to tokyo to join the olympic team which can't can't say that's not awkward it's got to be an interesting conversation i'm sure for them it's not really the biggest deal especially for booker you get nba finals experience at I don't know, 24 years old. I think that's how old he is, but might even be younger, to be honest. But you get NBA Finals experience at a young age. You know you can be back. You know you have this experience now. And hopping on this flight is probably is probably really interesting. And uh, I'm sure they had some conversations, and they can flip the switch to be teammates now instead of rivals. Uh, so that about wraps it up for this one. Um, I, I wish I could promise a day for the next episode. We'll try to keep it to uh, Monday, Tuesday, or Friday, Saturday. Those were our, our usual days. We'll try to figure those out. Those are my main working days is the latter half of the week. The weekend is when I'm usually working. Um, but we'll get back in here. We'll really have to start talking about football soon because that's that is really on the horizon, obviously. This expansion stuff, we'll have the NHL draft, NBA drafts next week, NHL free agency. There's just a lot happening. So we're going to get back in here and uh, see what we can we can cook up in this next little bit. So uh, besides that, we'll see you next time.